happy Women's History Month. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Librarians with Lattes. I'm your host, Amanda Lau, Outreach and Marketing Librarian here at the University Libraries at Albany. Today I am joined by one of our brand new library ambassadors this semester, Melody Palmer, and a dear friend, mentor, and colleague of mine during my time here at UAlbany, Dr. Carolyn Germain. Welcome to you both. How are you doing today? Good. Good. How are you? I am fantastic. Well, it's uh, no surprise if you listen to past episodes of Librarians with Lattes, uh, you're going to know what I'm going to ask next. So what have you been sipping on today? I just got a iced chai latte from Starbucks this morning. It's one of my favorites. And you, Caroline? Just water and Stewart's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I just water. I've not been getting up early enough to get Starbucks before I need to get here. So water it is, and it's good for you. Uh, so let's dive into today's conversation. Melody, I'll turn things over to you. Well, the first question I had was, what drove you to become a, a librarian originally? Okay, so my story is that um, I had children when I was quite young, and so I spent 20 years waiting tables. I ended up moving to a very small, small rural town in eastern Rensselaer County. Um, I purchased a house. I ended up getting involved with their parks committee. They had a small piece of property but hadn't put anything on it. So I spent a lot of time in the library um, trying to, they had a word processor. I didn't have a word processor. This is before, it's a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, um, so I went in there on a regular basis to write letters. I ended up getting some grants from the State Department for the, for the park. And the librarian there asked me if I would be a trustee. I said, I can't. I'm a waitress. I can't do that. She said, no problem. She said, um, you just come once a month and you vote. Well, I came once a month, and for a few months, all I did was vote at those meetings. But then she handed me the foundations book. She said, the directory, and she said, you got money for the parks, now get money for us. And so what I did is I picked from the foundations directory, I picked um, foundations that were interested in education and some other topic. I selected a reference book that would meet that. I looked for organizations that weren't giving huge amounts of money, $25, $100, and I asked them each for a specific book. I would get the information about the book. I ended up getting probably, over the course of three or four years, about $25,000, $30,000. So it, little pieces, but it all added up. Okay, so for that small library, it really, really worked. And I thought, well, if I can do this, I could be a librarian. So I went over to... Hudson Valley Community College. I did a two-year associates, and then I came over here. I did my BA master's. Now, how long were you a librarian? I have been a librarian. For, I'm still a librarian, okay? <laughs> Forever. It never ends. <laughs> I am always a librarian, always. okay? And my rank at the university is librarian. Um, but yes, I'm. You are always once you become a librarian, you always <laughs> will always will be a librarian. Uh, I started. I got my master's degree in 1997, so it's 25 years. Yep. Wow, uh, and I now you're one of my professors. What what made you like take on some some teaching roles? Okay, so part of my responsibility here at the University Libraries was that I taught. Um, I actually work with a number of people. We created UNL two hundred five, which is a one credit course. It's still being taught, um, and the. Uh, um, Information science program, which was before that the library science program, uh, asked me to do some adjunct work. And so I started doing that. Um, and then that kind of built up to, you know, from smaller classes to the big class that I'm teaching now, the, the 100. What's it like being a, a librarian, like the information field, like as a woman? 
Oh, that's interesting. Uh, interestingly enough, it is a field where there are a lot of women. Uh, when we have men, most times the, the men in this field are going to be in more of your technology aspects of it. Now, you've got to realize that libraries have changed dramatically over the last 50 years. So we've you know, in, in essence, we have a lot more technology than a lot of other fields because we have databases, we have maintenance of those databases. We have a podcast here. That's technology. Uh, so libraries have it changed in that area. Um, so there is a lot of women power in this field. Um, as compared to right now, I'm in um, CEHC, which has a lot more men. Um, but I'm, I'm comfortable in either one. <laughs> and... I, I read some uh, some bit about uh, initiatives for for women, mm -hmm. and uh, could you tell tell me a bit about uh, that program and what they do? Okay, so initiatives for women is a program on campus. Um, it is a grant funding organization. Uh, it was uh, organized in the early '90s, so it's been around uh, twenty eight years now. And that organization, we have funds from women who really, really believe in women on campus and research on women and um, other initiatives that really support and help women. And so it had, there were um, many women who have donated, even men. We have, we have awards that are sponsored by men and uh, they support uh, staff, uh, faculty, students. Again, you don't have to be a, a woman. We have had uh, men who have received the awards who are either doing work uh, in support of women or they're doing research about women. Every year we have a, a, an awards cycle um, that is... COVID knocked us off a little, but I think we're back on schedule. We're back on track again. Uh, and so the application is due first Friday in March. Uh, so that will open up again. We go into that cycle right in August. So we'll have that new application out um, that was due last week. So we got a number of those. Um, and so we have people who um, have gotten awards from that, who have had us index their books. We've had students who have done study abroad. We have students that may be um, single parents and they're looking for childcare. We've given them support for that. Um, we have students who have financial issues with buying books. Books are very expensive. Um, if you're not doing doing OER, it you know it can be a burden, uh, especially if in, you're in some of the hard sciences. It's really really difficult. Those books sometimes are three or four hundred dollars each, um, and then they ask ask you for money for the access codes. So uh, we have you know people on campus. You do have to be affiliated with campus. Um, we have organizations that ask us for funding, you know, for initiatives that they're doing. Um, so example, uh, we've had, um, the state of grace, which is more technology based. Uh, we have an event in the fall. That event usually runs this, this year it's going to be running from September 20th to the 23rd. So IFW will probably give some support for that. Sounds like a really great program. <laughs> It is a wonderful program. Um, I have been doing it for 20 years now. I had some involve, a little involvement before that, but there's just so much joy in reading those applications because you get to really learn a lot about what women are doing on campus and there's some phenomenal work that they are doing. We have people who also, um, you know, in particular our social uh, welfare program, um, they'll do some, some community events 
that really sponsor and help women as well. So it's twofold. It helps the student have a project, but it also helps the community at large. How long has that program been around, Carolyn? Uh, since the early 90s. Early 90s, that's wonderful. So 94, yeah, in two years, it's 28 years, so another milestone. So I've got to, I got to, I got to start planning that now. <laughs> I start thinking about six months ahead of time. I'm like, no, I really have to think about this a little more. Um, and because we, we do have some really out, amazing donors who have continued to support us. We have, um, at this point, we have 18 different endowments. So an endowment, they've given us some money, but we work from the interest, so we so that is per, uh, perpetual. So depending on the stock market, uh, we have a certain amount from those uh, awards every year. So it's it's really nice. So if you're listening, though, and want to endow program, <laughs> uh, seeing how wonderful it is. Yes. Or if you just, if you just, if you want to donate, uh, we are on the, uni thank you very much for that plug. Uh, we are, you know, if you make a donation to the university, you can actually select IFW as one of your options. Um, and we, uh, again, we have phenomenal donors uh, and we have phenomenal people who apply for it. This is, you know, people think, you know, it's, it is a little bit of a lift. We do ask you some questions. We do ask you to identify your project um, and it is to some extent competitive, but it's it's we try to fund as many of those as we possibly can. On average, we, we give between 30 and 50 a year. Are there some standout stories or projects that uh, stick out to you? Well, the standout for me, um, and I always talk about this because I, I do, uh, with our EOP students, I do a lot on scholarships. And so one of the things we, when you talk about people applying for scholarships is that they're, um, you know, that you have to get a letter of recommendation. And so I always say your letter of recommendation can often be, you know, one of the most important components of, of your application. And uh, we had a student who applied for this. She was applying to... Um, have a, they were with her sister who was going to be in recovery from surgery was, uh, they were, they were starting a small business, but it was more of like a non-for-profit that they were going to use the funds for, um, other people. And they were making small felt animals. The letter of recommendation let us know that she was actually donating her kidney to her sister, which was, was like, everybody read it and it was like, okay, we're funding her. <laughs> And it was something in the application that was, you know, you could have mentioned this, but it, it actually probably worked out better that it was her letter of recommendation. So she is, you know, certainly, you know, one of our, our more outstanding stories. Uh, we have, you know, so many. Uh, we've had people who, less now than before, that were sleeping in their cars in order to finish their PhDs. It was, you know, and those are, you know, there are people who are struggling on campus. And so we really do, we do want to support that. You know, we get we get letters back from from people who, you know, this, you know, I had a student who wrote to me and said, I I did this study abroad and it just changed my life, you know, because it gave her a completely different cultural experience, you know, than, you know, she uh, grew up in Manhattan, um, you know, and she she came to school here. But this just just changed her life. <laughs> wow. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm like studying to uh, one day be a librarian is. Uh, my like public library growing up, like they did a lot of um, like community uh, like resources. They did art shows all the time. Uh, they had so many like like they had sections that were education for like LGBT students, 
in school. And there's just so many like different resources to like help the and give back to the community. Why do you think libraries are such a like an important resource for for people growing up? There's many reasons. Um, it can be just as you say. Your your example there is perfect. Um, it makes you feel like you're part of the community. It is a strong part of the community. Uh, often people overlook that that libraries often are the place that can lead to your education. You know that can lead to your confidence. I mean, the my story about going into a library and using the word processor, which you know at that point was was kind of cutting edge because it was as I say a long time ago. <laughs> Um, that 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 made a difference for me. That 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 opened for me something that you know other places don't. Going into a business doesn't doesn't tend to open your heart and doesn't tend to give you the same kind of opportunities as a library does. It's a community. Um, it has a heart. It wants. It has a social aspect in addition to its educational aspect. I mean, New York State uh, libraries are chartered under the Department of Education, so they are an educational entity. Um, but that social that um, libraries libraries embrace all aspects of life. So, yeah, libraries were definitely very helpful for me growing up. I, I in high school I spent all my all my time like from study halls, my lunches in the library. I was just checking out books all the time and. Uh, one of the most like uh, like important things for me in the library was um, my librarian started putting like a little rainbow stickers on like the the books that had queer topics and just it was uh, it was really helpful to just uh, be able to like check out a book and find some representation and, and be able to see myself in these characters and that was really really monumental. My librarian was like. Putting resources out. Yeah. Value added. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea of, you know, you don't want to, you don't always have to have a big sign, but something like that is just subtle enough to connect with you and to, to really spark something in you that's really important. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason that I, I mentioned before that I, I wanted to become a librarian to like be able to um, give back to the community and provide resources for, for other kids who may be going, going through something like that. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. Do you think you're going to be working in children's or young adults? Um, I, I think maybe like um, like public library or like school libraries. Mm -hmm. Like maybe um, like a middle school library would be super. Because I think that was the mm -hmm. most <laughs> the most like important age for me to like be reading those books and sharing with them. Yeah, you know, because then they have, you know, it's such a difficult age. Mm -hmm. You know, there's it's just yeah. <laughs> If, you know, people say, I want to go back to, you know, my teens. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> you say it takes a special person, too, to work with middle schoolers. It's, it is yeah. such a, like, a volatile age, too. Yeah. There's so many changes happening and so many different topics that you're being exposed to, maybe for the first time, or things you're realizing about yourself and discovery. And the people that are at schools or public libraries, um, and I always applaud parents that make sure they get their kids to libraries uh, outside of school. Um you know, it's, you are a safe person, especially if you identify that by doing things like subtly putting rainbow stickers on things or creating displays that speak to maybe more marginalized communities. Um, and the kids be like, okay, maybe this is a safe person I can talk to, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, my middle school and high school librarian was definitely a very, like, important person in, in my adolescence. Good. <laughs> That's good to hear. Have you let them know? 
Yeah. I, <laughs> he he retired in uh, I think uh, must have been ninth grade, but he was he was still uh, cheering me on. <laughs> That's really nice to hear. And you see, I mean, we'll talk about it in class because we all talk about censorship and the idea, you know, so many of the books that, that you know, uh, go to the top of that, those lists are usually books that are on sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, people want them off. And so librarians really are champions to say, no, how do you learn about all of these different aspects of your life if you don't have, you know, books to read, or you don't, you can't learn from somebody, you can't talk to somebody, or you don't have somebody who, you know, really can advocate for you. Yeah, books are just such an important resource. Like, I, I was researching like what, um, what like are commonly banned books, and a lot of them, like you said, were, were about like LGBT topics and racism and just all sorts of like, not even um, books that were like, educational, just like fiction books, just that had. Uh, that featured characters that were that were gay or trans, and it was really you can really see like the what people like don't want you to read or, or know about. They're afraid of it. Yeah, <laughs> we're afraid of it. It's all in the news recently. The big thing with Mouse, yeah, um, though not uh, dealing with sexuality issues, but more history. You know, that was a big thing right now in uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I believe that's where that was happening and book burnings were occurring. <laughs> so it's, I think, really important that we continue talking about these topics and um, librarians are really big advocates, like Caroline said. You know, we're losing our jobs, some of us, <laughs> uh, in defense of this thing, this kind of stuff, which is just insane to, to think about. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, then all you hear is the censor. Yeah. And that's just, that's, there's not just one voice. We talked about class voice, you know, everybody has a different voice and we should rejoice in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, what was it like uh, when you were, were studying to be a librarian? What were the, because I mean, uh, as I'm like talking to people, a lot of people think that like librarians are just sitting around putting books back on the shelves (laughs) (laughs) and you guys can't see me (laughs) but stamping the books and and having them check out it's well first of all it's a master's degree okay Mm -hmm. um and it's called master's is because you have some level of expertise in it um one of the things i was uh in my middle 30s when i went back to school so i was so hungry to learn because I had been, it had been years since I had been in school. So um, I was so excited to be in library school. And I am very curious. Curiosity is a really important thing as far as learning is concerned, as far as whatever you're going to go into. If you're curious about that, whatever it is, if you're going to be a, a plumber or an electrician and you're really curious about the mechanical components of it, follow that. Um, it's my curiosity of, of wanting to find information um, and I'm actually really wanting to help people too, because you know, being a conduit for information to people is is a value to me. Uh, but going to library school, um, I I was one of those people where when you when you got the hunt, you know, because you have hunts for information, and it, every course is a little different. You know, I'd be the one that would be going to the library right after class, so I could make sure. So, you know, it's like a super trivia contest. <laughs> <laughs> But some of them are really hard. Um, And as you say, you know, some people think that, you know, when I tell people, 
the that I'm a librarian, they'll they'll say a few things. One is, oh, I have a book out, and what I usually say is, take it back. <laughs> um, um, They'll, they'll say, oh, well, you must read all the time. Well, well, actually, I don't always get to read all the time, you know, leisurely reading because I have academic reading that I have to do and I have reading that I do in preparing for courses. So I don't sit around all day reading books, which, which is the image that many people, people have. But I, I, I think whatever you do, if you have a passion for it, um, and the thing with librarianship is just there's so many ways you can go. I mean, mine was more that I really love looking and finding information. Um, you know, it is it is always when someone gives you a challenge and you go and you find it, it's just like, yeah. Uh, and some things I think I've mentioned in class, you know, the idea of my, my brother as a nuclear pharmacist, and he always, you know, thinking that I'm just a librarian. Well, he called me one day and asked me, you know, to find him information about the uh, temperature of reinfusing blood in a patient that has been in transport. What's the temperature supposed to be in transport? So I called him a, you know, a little while later, maybe 10 minutes later, and I said, this is what it is. But that's because I have the knowledge of what database I would go to. I have the knowledge of, we've talked about proximity searching, um, you know, that we talk about keywords. Temperature is not the word. Degrees is the word. And it's got to be in a regulation that the word is within, you know, a certain proximity of reinfusion. Well, for me, that's not hard. But for him, that's something that's really, really difficult because he doesn't have that knowledge. Even if he's a nuclear pharmacist, which sounds so much fancier than a librarian. <laughs> we should call ourselves nuclear librarians. <laughs> Title changes. <laughs> I'll agree with you, Carolyn. Like siblings or family members will come to you for information. My siblings come to me still if they need help finding things for their jobs. And you know, they say you always have a lawyer or a doctor in the family. No, you should have a librarian <laughs> in your family. And more and more now, you know, people think, well, you know, we don't need librarians because we have Google. Well, the thing is now, when you go looking for information. It's when somebody, most of the questions I get now are harder questions because they can, they can do all the surface searching. It's the more intense searching, like I need to know the temperature of, of blood transport, you know, for reinfusion. So you're, you're, you're really ramping it up even more than we were before. Mm -hmm. Google does have like an advanced search, but it's kind of, kind of hidden in like Google Scholar is like a bit hard to... Uh, like, it's not really advertised much. Hmm. Well, Google Scholar is uh, is is going to be journal articles. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is if you are in the general public, you're not going to have access to many of those because you don't right. have access to a facility like the university libraries, which gives us access to lots of those resources. Mm -hmm. When I was first, um, like, looking into being a, being a librarian as a, like, profession, I was surprised that, like, for your undergrad there was so many like different options and like ways you could you could do for your undergrad like I'm in uh, the women's gender and sexuality studies as my my undergrad but there's just English informatics there's so many different ways you can go it was it was a bit surprising that there's like, so many options yes yep well we've got to remember um in some cases librarians are generalists so when you're a reference librarian or an instruction librarian 
you're going to um, you're going to be getting questions from people from all sorts of dis- disciplines. So we it is really a very interdisciplinary field. Now, when we get into things like um, uh, collection development, usually you're going to focus on a certain area. So we have a librarian that um, she's in women's studies, she does uh, psychology, she does educational psych. So she has several disciplines, but she's going to be more focused in that area. Um, but you have, you know, you know, you're dealing with technology. I mentioned earlier the fact that we use so much technology that you can you can be in informatics and actually have a library science degree, information science degree. Um, and and really be helpful because you may be the person who's doing the, the the back end of setting up a database for people to access. Yeah, I, I started out in uh, computer science as my original major, but it was really not what I expected. I'm really uh, I'm enjoying informatics. I think that might be be a minor for me. Good, excellent, excellent. We would love to have you on. Yeah, I love uh, I like working with the uh, technology, and it's and the computer science was very like. Uh, I guess hard to like wrap my head around. It's a little, uh, um, it's very dense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> informatics, the idea of informatics is bringing in that technology with people, users, and society. Mm-hmm. So you really kind of have a more holistic approach to how we, how we de- deliver technology. Yeah, I think that's really important to involve people and have it, technology be more accessible. I'm like, I'm, uh, my research project for the informatics class with you is uh, accessibility in the like gaming industry because I've always loved video games, but I think there's a lot to be done for accessibility. Like subtitles wasn't standard in uh, video games until like the last ten years. You play a game from the early two thousands. They didn't they didn't have um, not every game had like subtitles, and that's we expect that now, but it, it wasn't standard before and you i'm gonna put a plug in here we are coming up with a gaming minor so that might be we have a we have a gaming major but yeah that might be another and that's out of informatics so yeah i'll, I'll have to look into that i didn't i didn't realize that. it's not out yet so not out yet hush, <laughs> it's, hush. it's not hush hush but yeah. <laughs> it's still going through all those bureaucratic <laughs> all those bureaucratic aspects of it but that's really interesting. And, you know, your knowledge and your experience in that and what you bring to it just makes that richer. Mm-hmm. And I think that like goes along with like representation as well, because, I mean, if you can't uh, play a game, then you're not like being represented. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a uh, Microsoft came out with the uh, adaptive controller. You can have you like people with uh, disabilities can play games more with that controller. But that's that's. There's still so much more to be done because there's, uh, I mean, Elden Ring just came out and a lot of people are saying it's the most like accessible one in the in the series, but it's still, I think it was The Last of Us Part 2 where people were, were praising that, that had like the most accessibility options, but there's still a lot, a lot to be done. And that's, that's something I'm passionate about. I, like making subtitles bigger because I yeah. can hardly see them. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I agree. Well, this is great because you you are a freshman, mm-hmm. am I correct? Yeah. yeah. And so here you're looking at all of these things. You know, you are going to be able to with your curiosity, with your you know innovation. You, you that's a problem, and that's a problem. I I have a lot of faith that you'll be able to solve or be a <laughs> participant in the in the solving of that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
Well, I think we've come to the, about the end of this conversation. I want to thank you both for thank you. joining us today. Um, one this of the was ladies, fun. Oh, yeah. Caroline, you'll have to come back. Both of you want to come back. Um, we love repeat guests on this show. So if there's any other conversations you want to have, definitely bring them on over and uh, we can sit down again. Um, but one of the ways we like to end this show is by asking one final question, and that is, what have you been reading recently? It could be for research, it could be for pleasure, it could be for both. And Melody, we'll start with you. Uh, I, uh, there was recently a guest speaker for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, Anthony Ray Hinton, and he was incarcerated and on death row for uh, 30 years. And he has a book that he was talking about his experience, and after going to his um, his event, I, I bought his book, The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. It's, it's been a really good book. I will have to check that out. Mm -hmm. I will too. Okay. It sounds really good. I just saw Shawshank Redemption again, and I've seen it so many times, but it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, like really, it's a great movie. It's like, oh, okay. It's got that library thing in there too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am teaching 605, which is research uh, resources and services, uh, again, in the summer. And so I'm always on the lookout for some good, uh, and I put this in air quotes, uh, reference books. Um, one that I've been using for quite a while is um, Atlas Obscura, which is very different. It's a lot of fun. Um, and they just came out, the same um, people came out with, I'm going to say it wrong, uh, Gastro Obscura. And it's really, really cool. And Atlas Obscura has two editions. The newest one came out last year. So I've, I'm, I'm always, it's, it's really easy to read because you don't have to read the whole book. It's, it's like pieces. It's like short stories. Um, so sometimes when you're really busy, short stories and things like this are really good. But the Gastro uh, Obscura is, is just, they're both really delightful I've because they're very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the libraries don't own either one of those, we certainly should. Yeah. I'll have to check. I don't, I don't know if we do. <laughs> yeah, you you, they, though, yeah, and they're they're actually really they're doing programs or something along those lines could really or even working with that as far as a book display of some of the resources that connect. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but having you know one of the entries in, in in either one of those books and connecting with books that we do have in the libraries it would be, yeah, they're both really delightful. I will. Probably after this, go and yeah. see if we have them in our collection. <laughs> um, I am reading uh, In Every Generation by Kendar Blake. It is a kind of like direct sequel to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer television series, which we've actually discussed on this podcast on our uh, pop culture episode. Um, but it's, it's very interesting. It takes place right after the last season. Um, and it brings in a whole new cast of characters and a new protagonists lead the slayers and it's very interesting uh, and Kendar Blake is a fantastic author for young adult literature so highly recommend so that brings us to the end thank you again for joining us it's been a pleasure to all our librarians with lattes listeners thank you for sticking with us as always I'm Amanda Lau I'll catch you next time and if you haven't been able to get to the libraries lately what are you waiting for we'll see you soon <laughs>